0: And welcome back to the Short Round, the official podcast of Pro rodeo Canada. I am your host, Wacey Anderson, and I am excited to be joined by a special guest host and my friend, Canadian champion bull rider, the 20 and 2023 Cowboy of the Year, Tanner Gerlitz. Tanner, thanks for joining me this week. It's going to be a fun show.
1: Yeah, no, it's good. It's uh, something I look forward to. And now that I'm behind a desk and at a computer, if I can still talk about rodeo during my day job, it works out good.
0: So before we get into kind of the the meat of everything here. I want to go back to 2023 CFR. Um, as I mentioned, you won cowboy of the year. I want to talk a bit about that. Like it's a huge honor. Um, puts yourself in a pretty prestigious class of people. Um, yeah. So let's talk a bit about the award and how it felt to, to be awarded with that at the end, at the end of the CFR.
1: Um, it's still fairly surreal. Um, I actually nominated someone else for cowboy of the year this year and (laughs) they didn't do it at the awards banquet. And I was confused because, Chad Bestberg, who's a great friend of mine, he come up to the awards banquet, so I assumed that the guy that I nominated was getting the award because a whole bunch of people from the Calgary Stampede showed up yep. to the awards banquet, but then they all said that they're there for Explosive Skies winning horse of the year, and which was fair, and I was like, okay, sounds good, and then it didn't happen, didn't happen, and then they didn't do it, and then the first person had to buck a reride in the steer ride right for the intermission, and I uh, I told Kyle Danes, I said, I'm going to go to the far end. You go ahead and you got this. He's <laughs> like, no, just wait. There's a screw-up. I said, what do you mean there's a screw-up? And he started looking at his sheet on the, on the show, and he's telling me a bunch of BS about how there's, <laughs> this was wrong and this was wrong. And then Billy Richards come over, and he started trying to film me. And then I was like, you guys, this is like kindergarten stuff. You got this. I'm going to go to the far end and get started on the team rope. Like, let's <laughs> go. Get your – heads out of your butts and then they uh Billy goes don't have to be mad just turn around and accept your award and I was like what I looked behind me and that's when I seen my wife and kids and Danny and Terry and the whole crew from Legends come out with that bronze and um it was to be recognizable I feel I worked pretty hard at rodeo but I didn't ever just think I deserved this or I don't expect a pat on the back for the work I do I just I know how much work went into the career I had and the people that were behind me. And I'm just trying to move it forward. I had a ton of people behind me and it, uh, without them, like there's probably 40 people in my, uh, phone log that could not count with you tomorrow for the help they gave me throughout my career. So it's, it's pretty surreal to be picked by your peers and nominated by a couple of good friends of mine. I, I finally got to the bottom of who nominated me and that, uh, it was, pretty surreal to get it to hear your name called and get that award in that arena
0: it's funny when you mentioned like the kind of the moments before they kind of do the war i remember being in the arena at that time and it was it just seemed like like every like kyle and billy had everybody so confused and turned backwards that it was it was kind of like the perfect like mixed misdirection to have to kind of get everybody out there to give you the award
1: yeah it was I was like, you guys. I well, and because so it's
0: like a busy time, right? Like that's a like yeah. we we're trying to rattle off a quick show, and it's like that's the last thing on your mind. So when something like that comes up, you're just like, hey, well, you guys handle it. I'm gonna go do my job. And the
1: first perf of the CFR this year, all the arena crew, Keenan Vine included, we had no comms. The comms didn't. Oh, no. <laughs> something happened with the comms. We had no way to talk <laughs> to each other. So, and I thought the comms were off. After I got the award, I thought they'd come back on. I thought Keenan had him shut off because he knew I was getting the award. He was trying to stay in Kyle's ear, but no, we didn't have comms the whole first perf. So that whole first perf was fairly old school with hand signals. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Madden. so it was it was a tricky one to to get with Keenan and Kyle and Billy and everyone that was behind it. They did a really good job of of keeping it kind of under wraps
0: for the That's situation. So awesome. to, so where 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 does this rank in your kind of the accolades of your career? Like yeah, you had a very successful career as a bull rider. Um, you've done a, a ton of work behind the scenes. That you joined the CPRA on the rodeo administrator front. Um, yeah, where does where does this kind of rank with everything that you've done in your career?
1: I mean, it's got to be at the top. I've ate, slept, breathed rodeo my whole entire life, and to get recognized with an award like that is is huge for me, and not only me and my whole family. You know my my wife is 100% behind me all the time. My kids, they both love it. Stratton, he wears out every single little bull he's ever had. And um, Rowan's horse crazy. She's got three horses of her own already and she's riding them around. And um, it means everything to me. And just to, sh- to get the support from people that that I love and that people that, you know, I respect in the rodeo world is, is huge. Um, the bull riding title in 06 is is big for sure, but that was something that I had to do myself. This is something that other people thought of me. So it was it's a pretty prestigious award.
0: Well, actually, I kind of want to save some of your the old rodeo stories and stuff for, as I bring you on the show more and more, I think it'd be fun to go back kind of into the past. But right now, I want to talk a bit more about your role with the CPRA. Like I said before, you're the rodeo administrator. What's, what's things looking like day-to-day for you? How have you enjoyed that transition from um competing in the arena to be involved in the backside of, of the rodeo world um it's
1: it was a challenge at the start um I've always said I've got big shoulders and I can take some stuff um my first year was it was a lot there was a couple deals there's some ground issues at a few rodeos and just judges and fines and you know stuff that I'd never really thought of until I took the job and your phone rings a lot um through the winter months, it's kind of just trying to get set up and ready for the next season. Uh, right now, it's busy. I've got four more approvals just hit my desk here today. So, trying to get them all typed up. And as you go to the PRCA and WPRA and everywhere else and get posted on the website. So, it's it's kind of surreal. you know. It's I took for granted when I was rodeoing mm. the work that goes behind getting a rodeo going. And since I quit rodeoing, I got into, as you know, like the kind of the production side of things with the yeah. shoe bossing and arena directing, and I tried to help out as much as I can at as many rodeos as I go to and step in where I can. But there's a lot of moving parts, and even from months out of the rodeo start time, it's uh, it's a, quite a process that a guy kind of takes for granted when you're rodeoing. To see it firsthand now is kind of it's I I enjoy the hell of it. It's it's uh, cool, yeah. Yeah, it's, you get to see kind of all the the back burner and the you find out you find out who your friends are right away. I know that. <laughs> oh, it's good though. Like I said, I got big shoulders and people can chew on me and I can wash it off. It doesn't really bother me.
0: Well, it's it's funny you mentioned like the transition from competing to being part of the production side of things. Like as a competitor, you're showing up to a lot of these rodeos and you're paying your fees getting on to go on to the next one. You don't really realize how much time and effort and getting the right people in place and all the volunteers involved with putting on a huge rodeo like that's but for for maybe from your aspect it's maybe a smaller rodeo but like a place like armstrong that they're planning for a year yeah, like to the next year like there's so much put into it but as a competitor you don't really get to see that because you're you're really just showing up to to compete and then on to the next one so it's it's, it's neat that you mentioned that how that the difference between the competitor side and the production side of rodeo and how person comes to appreciate it once you kind of see how it all works
1: for sure and um you know there's lots of contestants that do appreciate it. there's a handful that mm-hmm. don't appreciate it and it's i think every contestant in rodeo should volunteer for a rodeo committee for at least once in their life to see mm-hmm. what actually goes into putting on a rodeo i think that is huge or a board of directors or something you know um i sat on the board as a board director for a few years as well and then i took a couple years off and just kind of did my own thing and now I'm back as a rodeo administrator, but until you volunteer your time to put into what it takes to put on a rodeo, I don't think you can really have an appreciation of what it actually goes into it.
0: You think that, um, you're jumping into the production side, like kind of right after your, your bull riding career has helped your, the, this new position with the rodeo administrator, like how, like how big of a uh, factor has that been? Like even with wanting to take the position, like I'm sure that was kind of a big decision too.
1: Yeah, it was. And, you know, with the production side of things, I got a lot of different connections than I had and I, when I was just mm-hmm. strictly a bull rider. Like, I got to go around and meet lots of committee people, meet, like, go, I knew, like, guys like Chris Cook and Sean Metros and the screen guys before just to say hi, but now to get to work with them here and there and actually get to see some of the pyro guys and all that stuff, you get to, you get a new respect for all the other moving parts and mm-hmm. the connections you make with it, um... If the CPA can lend a hand with like a rodeo committee needing some help with production, I can, I now have these connections. I can forward them on to rodeo committees.
0: It's cool to see like the amount of talented people we have in Canada. Even you mentioned the production side of things. Like I would stack up a lot of the production folks that we have in Canada up against any crew in the world. Like you look at this past CFR. I talked a bit about it with Brett Gardner when I had him on and it's like, they, those openings this year were like some of the best I've ever seen like I would put those up against any NFR opening that they're I, after watching the last year's show in Vegas there
1: a hundred percent you know um my favorite one was the one where Tyler Kraft come out on his horse yeah. baby and was cracking his whip and then Zeke and all them guys come out on other horses and they pushed them bucking horses around and left. that was that was pretty cool to go back to actually what the Cowboys mm-hmm. doing and every guy that they had on a horse that night was an actual cowboy that was there and they've done it. And it was, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, me and Tyler are really good friends. We went to college together, lived together, grew up together. just to, I went down to the NFR this year, I had meetings and stuff for the CPRA, and I did some business there, but the first perf for the NFR, I had to make sure I was at that one to go watch him ride the arena for the first time. It was pretty cool to watch me and Tyler actually picked. I, me and him picked up our first Bronx together at Odessa, Texas. Wow. The college there. We they had a couple old horses at the college, and me and him got picked. I got picked because my dad was a pickup man, and he got picked because he was my buddy. And we got on these two old horses. <laughs> and we went and picked up, and I, it was pretty cool to see how far he's come in the last 15, 20 years.
0: Were you, were you nervous for him at that first perf? I know it was, uh, when I talked to him, you mentioned how nervous he was. And it's funny to hear a guy like that who's just like the. Kind of, you, when you picture someone who's calm, cool, and collected, you picture Tyler, You so like he kind of chose no emotion, which is neat. But were you nervous for him as well, Uh going into that first perf in Vegas?
1: I wasn't nervous for him just because I know how, like that guy has ice water running through his veins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, his horsepower is second to none. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got some of the nicest horses I've ever seen. And I knew if Tyler was nervous his horses were going to make him not nervous just to roll in there and do their job like they're supposed to and once that first bareback horse comes straight to him and he got the flank got the guy off in two seconds and down he set him and rode back I knew he was off to the races right after that
0: it's kind of like kind of like the top top end competitor side of things too it's like kind of you have the nerves which is a good thing but then once that Shoot gate cracks, or once the perf starts, it probably just like that switch clicks and you're like dialed in, ready to go. Which I'm sure you know from competing at a high level in your career too.
1: Yeah, for sure, it's it's something you got to have a a switch on, like the Houston's, San Antonio's, short rounds, places like that. I mean, you get there and you're like, man, I'm a little short guy from Canada, don't (laughs) belong here, and then you just got to flick the switch and you you know you belong. You got to get your nerves pushed aside and. Turn your nerves into excitement and just go do what you do.
0: Uh, so before we jumped on here, you mentioned how there's some exciting stuff coming up for the 2024 season. I just want to kind of get into that and what are some stuff we can look forward to from CPRA? What's the schedule looking like? How is 2024 shaping up from your perspective?
1: Um, last year, I jumped on this job and positioned in March, and lots of the approvals are in already. And this year, I've had probably five or six new events wanting to come on. Um, I haven't got anything signed or nothing yet, but there's a lot of interest in new events and rodeo in Canada. I think there's going to be, I think three of them for sure will go. Mm. And I'm looking forward to it. They're, they're going to be all great rodeos. And there's some big news coming from uh, a Bronc rider in Canada coming up here that I think is going to be big. And it's it's pretty cool to see the growth in Canada and, it wouldn't surprise me at all if every event takes to at least 20,000 to make the Canadian finals
0: next year. And that's that's one of the things that I've talked about with a few folks is I, I feel like we kind of the consensus is that they feel like rodeo is like officially back in 2024 in Canada. We, we've we got like places like Pinocchio adding up their prize money to 60,000 and more competitors. And I, I feel like from through my lens and what I've seen, the competition is like as best it's ever been in the country, I think across the board. So I think that, saying of like 2024 is the year of of rodeos back in Canada I think it's safe to say that that's going to be the case with like hearing what you have what you have to say and whether others have to say about kind of the state of rodeo in Canada
1: yeah for sure I think it's it's going to be awesome like our bronc riders in Canada right now are second to none Mm -hmm. our bulldoggers in Canada are second to none really all of our events are are really really strong right now and with the amount of money that Pinocchio is adding and I think we'll see a lot of U.S. competitors coming up this summer and staying for a few weeks and trying to get the rodeo counts in. Um I have the advantage I also am the coach at the Olds College. Mm. And so I get to see a bunch of young guys coming up and there's more coming down the pipe. Um they bucked some horses the other day out by Cochrane and there's four of our rec riders there that were all sixteen years old and they were all good enough to go. Like they wow. all made eighty point rides and they're uh it was pretty refreshing to see they got I haven't heard of a practice pen in Canada getting nine bareback horses bucked in a session. No. Before, they, uh, they did her that night and them kids got on and they all rode really well. And there's some young kids coming up on uh, the high school finals. Last couple of years I've went to seen some kids coming up there. Um, it's all coming down the pipe. And I think rodeo is just growing and growing and growing. And the level of the contestants now with the new, it's not just high school rodeo anymore. They have the junior high school finals and the mm-hmm. high school finals. And there's such a stepping stone for the kids coming up. It's, it's great. And, the sky's the limit for these kids if they want to put the work in there's no telling where they might end up
0: it's cool you mentioned kind of the stepping stones because you look at kids like even even Bo Gardner is a good example of that he's kind of walked the path to kind of get to his highest level of success and, and I think you'll see more and more kids doing that um, as they progress through because I think I think obviously I think one thing is like maybe like parents have a better idea and there's guys like you giving back who kind of can help pave that way for them and then obviously I think Rodeo is kind of flipped to where it's like these these kids and these people and people competing are turning into like legit athletes like it's a professional sport and they're taking care of their bodies. they're doing the extra work outside the arena. they're putting into the practice. and I think that's such a huge factor, which hasn't been the case for a long time with rodeo, yeah,
1: and I mean like when I was a kid, we rode steers, then we rode bulls. Um, mm-hmm. You're lucky if you went junior bull riding once in a while. But for the most part, you rode steers and bulls. and then when you're a steer rider, you just got thrown into the bull riders, and your parents, You just, that's what you did. You, your parents sang you with bull riders and you learned the ropes that way, kind of a rough way to go. But (laughs) I think I learned a lot from it as well. Like By the time I was 16, I was ready to enter and go and by myself. Um, Nowadays, the kids, I think have an advantage where their parents are taking them most of the time. And, you know, six out of 10 of the kids have their own practice stock at home now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where we used to have to go, like I'd go to Olds on Tuesday nights uh statler friday nights vermilion wednesday nights and brooks thursday nights to practice i'd drive all over alberta doing you know, on practice pulls and and now most of the people have their own practice stock like last night jason wheeler brought two bareback horses for his kid to come get on and they're perfect little hopping horses and the kid got two road and he's been on like 10 head and like looks like another guy that was a former cpra contestant cfr qualifier is going to have a kid that's going to do the same thing so and I mean, everyone in their dog is raising bucking horses and cows and bulls now. <laughs> yeah. It seems like that industry is growing so much with the maturity system and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity for people to, parents especially, to have young kids ex- coming up. Um, lots of the guys don't like to hang on to them, 75, 78 pointers. And if they want to move them to someone that has practice stock, there's a lot of opportunity for people to buy practice stock that is appropriate. Or even old horses or bulls that just kind yeah. of have slowed down. I think that's a big learning curve. Um, when I was a kid, I got on a lot of calves just because at Girl rodeo Stock, I was the dummy before dummies were around. <laughs> an so dad always set it up. There's always like three or four old ones at the back that I wanted to get on. I had to get on the three or four calves first. And then once I got through the calves, I got my pick of the old ones. And mm-hmm. I always finished on a really strong note. And I think that's huge in trying to build kids and, and, build talent is rewarding them for what they do. Um, mm-hmm. I think practice is huge. I don't, I think drop barrels and stuff are good, but there's no such thing as the real thing. And a guy's got to get on if he wants to get better. Uh, yeah. You see lots of kids having the opportunities now to get on what they want, when they want. And I think it's great.
0: Yeah. And I think it just instills that confidence in them. That's that's one thing that, that Bill Gardner talked about a lot is he's, he's had that confidence like the whole way through. And I think that's such a huge thing. It's easy maybe if you're not getting on the right stuff or maybe in the wrong situation to kind of have that confidence, maybe not where it should be at that specific level. But I think now it's kind of dialed into where you're getting these kids with the right, the right confidence heading out to the right stage of their careers.
1: Yeah. You know what Um, Bo's dad, Nate should have a seminar on how to raise young cowboys because that guy has, he's had a handful of kids come through there, not just Bo. He's gotten other kids that kind of travel around with the help of other parents as well, Mm -hmm. like the leech kid. And there's a few of them kids that are, Kicking around Nate's place, that they're all going to be really handy kids, and um, Nate's kind of put them all through the same little program. And these are your bowls. and these are the ones you get on. And it wasn't until last year I seen Bo at the Olds College, just getting on whatever on end. You know, like Bo always had a, a set practice pen, and he'd bring his own bulls if he come to Olds and you would get on them, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But last year he kind of branched out and started getting on whatever they're on under him, and I mean Bo's ready now. He yeah called me before and he said do i think i should stay on my permit and try to make the win the permit award i'm like
0: you're
1: yeah, your car you're, gonna, you're gonna yeah. make it
0: man. <laughs> you're gonna make the cfr yeah <laughs> yeah there's no doubt there but uh it's definitely an exciting time for rodeo in canada and we look forward to an exciting season in 2024 um i think right now is a good time to start our interview with bo cooper um we'll be back shortly with this interview i uh, certainly after this interview with uh special title on Bo cooper so enjoy Welcome back to the short round. This week we have one of the brightest up and coming stars in the tie down roping. And he is also a CFR and Wrangler National Finals rodeo qualifier. Welcome to the show, Bo Cooper. Thanks for joining me, man. What's going on?
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, not much hiding out of the hiding out of the rain. So it's a good time to do it.
0: Well, and you're you're hiding up in Texas right now. So you just wrapped your setup in Fort Worth, qualifying for the wildcard round. Talk a bit about that and and kind of what's next down the road for you.
2: Yep. So uh, I guess I come back to the wild card around the thirty first of January. Yeah, it was good. I felt like I made uh two decent runs. Uh, uh second one, I felt like I should have been a little faster, but you know, it's no know. big deal. <laughs> exactly. yeah. We got some money out of there. I think all three of us ended up tying. We all had twenty five hundred. So, so how was, does the
0: tiebreaker work there?
2: Well, so it goes on fast time and so I kinda got at the end of the stick and I was the odd guy out, so I got to go to the wild card and they got to go to the semifinals, but
0: and then it's like top two or whatever coming out of the wild card, make it to the into the semifinals that are kinda of similar to yeah. old school Calgary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. cool.
2: Nice. And then yeah, one one each uh one goes to each semifinals and then they take four out of the semis to the finale, grand finale. Yeah.
0: Oh, baby. So where are you heading next after this, and what's kind of on the on the schedule over the next few weeks for you?
2: Yeah, uh, so that's really the next time I'll compete, I guess. um there's nothing this weekend, and then the same weekend that the finals is on, there's some jackpots and a couple of amateur rodeos and um, so we might be pretty busy there. I got a couple of Colts with me, so oh, yeah. I'd like to take them and uh you know, kind of get them a little seasoned and whatnot so. We'll do that, and then uh, San Antonio. I'm there the 12th to the 14th uh, in that set, and then I'm going to go to Tucson, probably, and then back for the semis and short round at San Antonio, and then Houston. That's uh, right.
0: Sure
2: yeah, think uh Yeah, I think I'm at Houston, yeah, the, the last part of February there, first nice. set.
0: Mm-hmm. Right on. So I want to hop back to 2023 before we get back into some 2024 stuff. Um, Obviously it was a huge season for you, making the CFR again, qualifying for your first regular NFR. Um, I thought there was a bit of drama along the way, as we all know, but I want to hear about it through your lens, talk a bit about some of the ups and downs and some of your favorite moments from 2023. Yeah, it
2: was uh, pretty crazy, you know. um, I to, Yesterday I was just thinking about like back to a year ago today, like how much different it was and <laughs> – you know it's kind of crazy what a year can do for you, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I already got more money won this year than I do than I did <laughs> last
0: year. Out of way,
2: it's looking up for this year. Um, but no, I mean, obviously the Houston deal um was a pretty big low, and then um, you know, three months later to come back and win in Calgary is a pretty big high for me and qualify for my first NFR. Um. I learned a lot last year, um, about everything rodeoing and in life and whatnot. So, um, you know, a guy can't ever, um, look down on those things. And, um, you know, even the the challenges that you face are uh, what's going to make you better in the future. So, um, you know, it seems like if you if you're wanting to learn patience, well, you might have to do some things that aren't. Uh, <laughs> aren't aren't what you're thinking when you're learning patience but uh in the end they'll they'll in turn give you that so i feel like some of those type of things is is what i learned um and just yeah um i had a lot of fun last year and um i got got some more horsepower this year and so i'm looking for it to be pretty fun and yeah just happy to happy to keep roping calves
0: well you mentioned Houston and I'm sure you're sick of talking about it at this point, but I just want to ask, how did you how did you block out all the noise from that event? Like there everybody and their dog seem to have an opinion on what should have gone down or what happened. And and it kind of takes a lot to to keep your head down and get back to work. Like about how how hard was it to keep your eye on the project? you said, you came back and won Calgary a few months later and and it takes some mental fortitude to be able to to head down that path.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, it was kind of a I don't know, like, as to say, it was kind of like a, a last straw for me. But at, like, the same time, it was, nice. like, almost what I needed to to kind of be like, you know what, I'm freaking going to do this. Like, everything seems like it's working against me right now. And I'm going to bear down and, and make sure that I, that I do this. And if I don't do it, I'm going to at least say that, you know, I give it 110%. Give it effort and uh yeah I mean it was there was a lot going on you know people everybody was talking about it there for a long time and (laughs) it was the the biggest drama in the rodeo world but I mean everybody's had one of those uh kind of calls go for them or against them and and so you know it wasn't really nothing new it just happened to be that it was for 50,000 and the biggest win of my career so (laughs) And, and, and my first first biggest win so <laughs> yeah um you know it wasn't like i'd done it for for 10 or 15 years but um no i i mean you can't really get caught up in the drama and and uh you know if i would have been speaking my opinion all over social media and what i had to say you know um there there wouldn't be as many people that would probably be pulling for me you know or uh, <laughs> thinking I'm such a nice guy, but um, at the end of the day, I mean, it didn't really change who I was. I was going to be the same old Bo Cooper the next day, regardless if I, mm. if I won or not. So it didn't change me. It was just something that kind of sucked. And unfortunately those things happened. So we had to move on. And, um, you know, I think, I think that was part of what, brought more success you know throughout the year was was just being able to accept it and move on and um you know put it in the past you gotta have a short-term memory in rodeos is what they always say so um that's what what i kind of felt like i did anyway
0: well yeah you you must have had some like type of confidence coming out of that situation like you like after it all, the, the chips fell where they did, like you made a good run and you, you made the finals at Houston, which is a big deal for someone in the rookie season. So, I mean, there's got to be, you had to have had like a kind of boosted confidence amidst all the, the adversity or kind of maybe the downside of it.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. It was a huge boost of confidence. And uh, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't really, uh, they can't really take that away from me. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what Clay Elliott told me. He said, um, when I got home, I run into him and he said, He said, regardless, you know, he said, You want it? He said, You'll have so much confidence from now. From that, he said, There's no telling what you'll win. He said, I promise you. And, uh, turns out he was right, you know. <laughs> well,
0: Matt, was that kind of your first like indicator that you're like, Hey, I can, I can hang and do well at this level and, and again, and make a run for the NFR?
2: Yeah. Um, there's kind of been a couple like, you know, little things, um, here and there, you know, I placed at some big jackpots and, um, you know, in the last, the last four years that I've been coming down here. And so then it was kind of like, Oh yeah, you know, I mean, I can kind of do this and then I won the rookie and then it was like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm hanging in there. Top 30. (laughs) Honestly, I thought top 30 and top 35 was pretty cool. That was what I was the first two years. And, uh, you know, it was pretty crazy to think, you know, just a kid from Stettler and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're the 30th best calf roper in the world. I mean, it's a pretty high number. And, uh, so then, uh, yeah. Then after that, I mean, when in Houston, that was like, geez. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I can do I this can now. Do, I can do this. Yeah. And then not even that, but then that same week, um, I had to go back to the semifinals at Austin and, uh, that was like kind of a crazy deal. Cause everybody kind of knew it was knew what
0: happened. <laughs> all of a sudden you're the most popular guy in rodeo. Uh,
2: you got people coming up. You don't even haven't even spoke to. And everybody's kind of looking at you and it was like, Whoa, this is a little crazy. Like, <laughs> so that first calf was kind of hard to run. And fortunately I did good. And then I got a little more confidence. I'm like, yeah, you know what? You can't, can't keep me down. And then I made the short round and, uh, I think I was maybe second or third out in the short round. And, uh, went seven, eight, and ended up winning third of all of Austin. So that, that was a big confidence booster. to Come back and do that. That was like, okay, yeah, you're you can do it. You belong. So, um, yeah, that was that was probably a lot of a lot of where my confidence come from, and um, for the rest of the year.
0: I want to ask about uh Shane Hanshie. You guys have obviously become pretty good buddies over the years. He's rodeoed up with Canada quite a bit, and and he he was a pretty vocal supporter kind of through the whole Houston thing and, and he has been through your career. Like, talk a bit about your relationship with him and, and how that came to be and, and where you guys are at now.
2: Yeah, well, these are uh, his 14 back numbers <laughs> and a uh, couple of Taylors. But, um, no, him and him and Taylor both, both have been uh, kind of the reason for all of it. Um, without them, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at today or, or done any of the things that I've done today. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they've been a huge blessing and um, have kind of taken me under their wing. And, and Shane's like a big brother to me. He uh, he looks out for me and, and wants what's best for me. Um, he come up there in 18 and 19 and did a couple of open schools and I attended them. And um, we got to be good friends after that. And then the winter of 2020, um, I started coming down every winter since then. Um, a couple of times I've come in the fall, and uh, yeah, just tried to get better. Iron sharpens iron, so you know, I, my cousin Zeke Thurston, I've always hung around him, and then I got hanging around Shane, and all of a sudden I'm hanging around, you know, everybody else that's made the yeah. NFR. and I've got to be great, great friends with them and people that have gold buckles, and um, you know, the Haven Medjid, Ty Harris, mm-hmm. all kinds of people like that, and so, um, that's just that's where if you're wanting to go to the nfr and do what we do that's the kind of people you need to be around and um they're going to help you level up your game without you even knowing it so um yeah i mean i can't say enough good things about shannon and taylor and, and what they've done for me
0: well how, how is that like that kind of that field of guys that have competed in canada over the past five to ten years even like kind of in increase the quality of tie down ropers in in the country like uh, you say iron sharpens iron and and there's a lot of good young tie down ropers coming up the ranks and and i feel like having those guys compete up here our week in week out has had a really big impact on that
2: yeah i think so too um you know it seemed like the early 2000s um the calf roping was like the the best event at the nfr and and Mm -hmm. everybody you know loved to watch it and nobody was leaving until it was done and uh I want to say this year at the NFR, it it seemed like it was right back the early 2000s. You know, Haven, he wrote absolutely amazing mm-hmm. through 10 rounds and just a crazy outstanding performance by him. And even Riley Webb, like, he was, I think he was right there knocking on the door of Shane's old average record too. And, uh, you know, for for him to keep a, a level head with Haven breathing down his neck like that and still come out on top and win the world. I mean, he had to rope his butt off too. It wasn't no day off and, uh, tough. I think he tied four or five calves under seven, two. Wide. Yeah. He was rolling. I mean, it was just nuts. The, the performance that, that was put on by them guys. Um, I wasn't really, I wasn't really doing nothing too crazy, but it was fun watching anyhow. And, uh, but no, I think that's had a huge impact. And, um, you know, down here, it seems like everybody just wants to rope calves in Texas. And, um, you know, there's so many good guys coming up that it's like, you know, it'd be crazy to see with the next five years, like who makes the NFR every year, you know, Mm -hmm. like there might be three or four new guys every year, just because there's so many guys that rope so good now. And so many kids coming up that, that are getting their permits and, um, buying their cards and whatnot so um, yeah there's dang sure uh, a lot of talent that's come up and it's definitely it's cool it's cool great. yeah
0: it's cool 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 to see it happening it's, it's awesome like it's I feel even from the CFR and the NFR it was, it's been some of the best competition that we've seen over the past like in the last few years you know like the, the CFR this year was great and, and obviously the NFR had had some huge moments as well
2: yeah yeah the I think it'll be kind of Cool to see the CFR go back to Edmonton and mm-hmm. see what that does early October. Um, you know, it might, I think, I think it's going to be for the better. Um, I know there's yeah. been a lot of popular opinions on it, but I personally think it'll be good um, to be in a venue like that. And, and you might get some more of the guys from down here to come up, up there, mm-hmm. uh, being it's early October and so I mean <laughs> that's what everybody likes to see is uh is good good rodeo and good performance mm-hmm. so to have the best guys in the world is is you know what they're kind of striving for so I don't blame them for moving it and
0: trying to make it bigger and better every year well let's and let's talk about last year's CFR so you, it was a bit of a slower start for you but near the end you kind of ramped it up and got going like talk about your week the week in Red Deer and and do you feel any pressure from the year before? Like You had a lot of success in 2022. Um, did any of that creep in on you? Or, or what, what, what was it like in Red year for you last year?
2: Well, so that's, you know, I just kind of had a little breakthrough here the other day that, um, <laughs> that it finally felt like it was kind of a weight off my shoulders. Um, mm. I feel like from the CFR this year, um, I was roping. From then till just here this last week, I was kind of roping, um, defensively per se, I guess. Hmm. And, you know, trying not to screw up, trying not to do anything wrong. I felt like I had a lot of eyes on me personally and, you know, whether I did or not, I think that was just self-inflicted pressure that I put on myself. And, uh, yeah, so, so in doing that, I, I felt like I didn't want to screw up and, you know, wasn't, wasn't just trying to rope like how i rope all the time i was backing off the barrier and and so i think that's what had a lot to do with the nfr2 and uh that and then yeah i mean it just it was it just felt like a whole a whole Mm -hmm. new situation that i've never really been in before and so you know we like we go to some jackpots and whatnot and they always do some calcutta's up there at those jackpots and they're like and whatever and this year it was like you know i was just i knew i was getting picked first in the calcutta (laughs) it would go for a thousand and i just knew my name was coming and for whatever reason you know that just it was kind of adding up like like people were expecting me to win Mm -hmm. and in my own head and i i didn't need to put that pressure on myself you know i'm doing this for me and and you know this is what i love to do i don't you know i don't need to be Worried about what other people are thinking, so I, uh, I kind of had that little epiphany the other day, and I feel a lot better. I feel like there's a monkey off my back now.
0: And,
2: <laughs> you know, I'm gonna start roping more on the offense and and trying to win and
0: do my best every time rather than trying to screw up. And that's it's funny you mentioned that. To, because,
2: not to screw up. Sorry.
0: Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned that because you you can kind of see it. Like I remember watching you in Strathmore. You're like one of the last few guys out can, can, can win the deal. And, and you, like, you went after that in that scenario and, and it, it, it's something to be said about that. And you see in other sports too, you want to, you want to be on the offense as much as you can be. And, and I think, I think that'll be such a huge thing, especially for what you do, right? There's so many things going on you got to keep, keep going forward rather than trying to like let things come to you. Eh?
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what I kind of, uh, you know, I was thinking about it and then I was like, well, you know, you know, Houston, Calgary, Panoka, Strathmore, Medicine Hat, kind of all the places I did good Mm. in one first or second, you know, I was going at it like, you know, there's no more pressure than being in the final four at Houston and Calgary and (laughs) your first, you know, your first big win. And, you know, I mean, in front of that many people, there's, I mean, I was nervous for sure. But at the, you know, in that moment, I was like, I was like, this is it, you know, just freaking win it you know don't back down leave everything out there at least then you can then you can feel good about yourself and and feel like you give it your all instead of uh, trying to back off and and
0: not not mess up yeah that feeling of like leaving something on the table is like such a tough feeling I know I felt it before in in previous things and I'm sure everybody every athlete who's competed at a high level has felt that maybe there's instances where they could have given a little more and it's 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 a way better approach. Probably a lot more. It's easier to to kind of walk move to the next thing if you if you know you've laid it all out in the line.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's where I feel like I've learned this year. It's like, it's like the school hard knocks. Like, mm. you know, tell you that, but until you actually live it and do it, you know, that's where you gain experience mm-hmm. and and you're able to apply it, and then it's ingrained in your mind, and you're like, okay, well, we're not gonna do that next time, you know. <laughs> You <laughs> you learn a lot better than when somebody just tells you. Oh yeah, oh yeah, okay, yeah. You know, and so, um, like even at Panoka this year, um, in the final four, uh, Bo Pickett, I think his calf got up or he maybe missed or something. He got no time anyway. And so, I mean, at Pinoca, they give they give ground money. You have to get a time in the final four to get, to get paid. And so, you know, I was the next roper, and so I'm like well, he's out of it. I said, now you just need a time. Like I had her great calf and I kind of went at her when I got down to it. I put two wraps on her instead of one. And I, the whole time I was planning to put one on her just because she was so amazing, like never kicked. And, you know, I got back on my horse. I'm like, I don't know if that was the right move. Like I knew I was getting money, but I was like, also knew that I should have probably just wanted to and I end up being 9 1. Haven comes right behind me. He ties me. We're 9 1. And then Ty Harris goes and he's nine flat and gets us by one tenth. And then I was like, man, you know, I'm happy for Ty. He's, he's a good <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But it was just like that moment. I was like, hmm, should have put it right in there. there. Like, yeah. there. And there's another, you know, six or 7,000 right there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then, you know, it gets down to it at the CFR, you know, then I've got another chance to to win a Canadian title. But, you know, you look back on those things and it's easy to say, Yeah. I mean, it's just little things like that learning throughout the I think It's
0: like learning how to win. Like I, I talked to Zeke about this, it's funny like about this part of it too, where he's like had to find ways, different ways to win and that through that adversity. And I think it comes, like you said, that school of hard knocks and like those situations where it's like you're put in that same situation again. You learned your lesson, you're not dwelling on it, but you're you're using it as a tool to become like take that next step as a champion. And I think that's that's what separates the high level guys like like just like you or Zeke or them guys who 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 want to win that, that they they find those different ways to win in different scenarios
2: yeah exactly and that that all comes from just competing i mean mm-hmm. um i've had a lot of people ask me like you know like what what can i do to get better and it's like enter like mm-hmm. you figure it out like <laughs> they're like you know i don't have enough money it's like yeah i've I've been there like (laughs) you you just have you have to enter because that's where you figure things out like you can rope Mm -hmm. in the practice pen as much as you want and, and you know you need to but there's just a different you know train of thought and um a lot of different lessons that can be learned when you put your own money up you're in front of people you're in front of crowds you're uh roping for big money you're in short rounds you know it's soft they're open soft they're open tough. you know it's just you you can't replace that aspect of it um for for learning how to win and and for getting confidence when you do go to the rodeos well
0: it's it's funny because i kind of think of it like as as a golf in a sense where like I'll have times when I'm at the driving range and I'm striping it around, like hitting it better than I ever hit it. Then I go play the round and it's like a completely different scenario. And I find the more I actually play actual golf is where you find it where I'm finding improvement and you find it in your game, which I think is similar to what you're saying about the practice pen. And, and like it's good to do it and it's good to like like kind of refine your game, but having it being in the game and like having those different scenarios, like with rodeo, it could be raining, it could be different kind of calves. Like there's so many different factors that you're not getting at home in the practice scenario. So it's, it's interesting that you say that, like, but again, it all boils down to that, um, finding different ways to win in different scenarios and putting yourself in those situations where you have the pressure.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you know, you, you never know what you're going to get into when you go to a roping. So, um, you know, you might end up with the best calf in the short round and, and, you know, it's a tough, tough roping. Well, now you got to go at it and, and try to win, you know, whatever you can win. Where you get to where you don't have a very good calf and the roping's pretty soft. Well, now you got to figure out how to get by and, and either win first or second or third or fourth, whatever you feel like you can do. And so, I mean, there's just so many different scenarios when, when you get there. And that's where I think people need to learn, look at at jackpots and and you know amateur rodeos or or i mean in canada we can't go to the amateur rodeos if we're um have our pro card which I yeah, think is yeah. silly but um <laughs> it uh yeah just like you need to look at that as like a kind of a step up from practicing for for when you get to the rodeos you know if you're if you're trying to make the cfr or the nfr you know it's it's just more training and um Obviously, if you're trying to make a living like I'm doing with a rope, then you got to go to as many jackpots as you can too, because you can win a lot of money at those as well.
0: So we've kind of touched on on it and and went over like briefly briefly kind of reference some things from the NFR, but I, I kind of want to get into it and, and talk a bit a bit about the whole experience. But the first thing I want to ask is, what was your feeling when you, you when you knew you officially had qualified for your first NFR and the entry date and all that kind of stuff? Like, what was what was going through your mind? How did it feel? <laughs> it was cool.
2: I was ready to be home I was like finally it's over you know (laughs) it's a time it was was like so after I guess after the 4th of July um so going I guess going into June I had like 20,000 um I was maybe top 50 or something and then after the 4th of July I'd won quite a bit and I think I was maybe 19th or 20th in the Mm -hmm. world and so I'm like okay like I need to you know bear down and do this and then i won calgary and then uh that was all that i won in july honestly i won calgary i, that was I, I guess it would I have been probably like more strathmore
0: medicine hat after that probably yeah that's funny
2: i think i won one more check in july but uh it was funny <laughs> Ty, Ty harris said the same thing he's like he's like yeah after i won the american it was kind of just like for two weeks, I didn't really care. And it was just like, this is so cool. <laughs> and, and it, like, then I had to get back to business and, and focus again. And that was kind of the same with me. So, But then I was in a pretty good spot. I think I was maybe 7th or 8th, kind of end of July. But it wasn't over. I think I had eighty two or 83,000. And it took 113,000 to make it. So I still had to win 30,000, which is quite a bit of money still.
0: It's no small feat, and it's kind of getting no. down to the, the, the make or break point of the season
2: exactly yeah and and so um then all of august i just chipped away i kind of ducked off a little and went to some smaller rodeos i had a lot of rodeos left on my rodeo count and so um i think i went to like 36 rodeos in august wow Um, and so then i ended up winning like uh what was it maybe six thousand a week in august and so then
0: that's not too bad bad. oh (laughs) it it was i was
2: and it was like it was just like a thousand, fifteen hundred at a time. It was a lot of fourths and fifths. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it would I would, I drew up good, and I would get to points where it was just like, okay, like first is tough. Win second or third, you know, and then I'd win third or fourth or something like that. And so that's I uh, I was I was actually pretty dialed in there and and roping good. And then I want to say it was after the after Puyallup, after the tour finals there it was like kind of an oh shit moment for me. I, was, <laughs> I got nervous. I didn't I didn't have really that many rodeos that I was going to that I'd entered because I was just like, it was getting towards the end of the season. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to be done. Like, And then pretty much everybody that needed to win at Pendleton in the tour finale won. And so then there's like 20 guys, you know, or like the top 20 have a chance to make the NFR mm-hmm. and – I was like ninth or 10th and then all of a sudden I was 14th and I'm like oh boy like (laughs) and I got nervous and so then I didn't win nothing for that week and then um, I won 3,000 at uh, Albuquerque and then I was like okay I feel a little better about that and then I went to San Bernardino and Poway won a little more money and then I think i had 117 at that point and i'm like okay like i feel like i'm in you know i just yeah. gotta wait for october 1st and then um so yeah then i end up finishing 11th and uh yeah october 1st was just like this big sense of relief <laughs> like, oh finally like mm-hmm. the stress is over and um you know then it was a lot of excitement after that and mm-hmm. got to call in i think october 17th maybe i called in and entered the NFR, wrote down my confirmation. That was that was a pretty cool day for me.
0: That's pretty awesome. Especially like, I never realized the grind you had to go through at the back half of the season. There, like that's got to be like such a rewarding. And even the the adversity you went through early in the season, it's, like the culmination of all of that, just to be able to like mm-hmm. write that confirmation of down, like yeah, this like everything was worth it. It was like kind of like
2: yeah, exactly. It was it was a lot of like big sense of relief. Like wow, this is
0: I did it. You know, huge
2: accomplishment. Mm-hmm you know but yeah those last three weeks of september were <laughs> killing me
0: a little western that's yeah funny.
2: and that, that's something else i learned too like i was so worried and so stressed about it like yeah which i mean it was my first time you know yeah I, there was a lot riding on it, <laughs> it was like a lot of pressure that felt like helpless pressure like there wasn't nothing i could do about mm-hmm. it and you know, everybody else seemed like they were entered in 14 rodeos and I was entering three. And so it was like, (laughs) it was like, wow, what am I going to do? But, um, you know, I learned like that too. Like you can't control it. I mean, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if that guy's win more money than me and beat me, I mean, it wasn't meant to be, you know, it worked out the way it was supposed to work out. So, you know, you can't let things like that, you know, control your mind and get you down on the road and, and beat you up like that for three weeks, you know? So,
0: who? How? Like, how are you leaning on like Taylor and Shane during those times? Like how? How big of a help were they like helping you navigate, um, kind of that scenario and, and that that time leading into the last few weeks of the season?
2: You know, um, well, Shane let me ride his horse.
0: You know, my good horse
2: was pretty tired by the end of the summer, so Shane let me ride his good horse Bugsy, one horse of the year, and he let me ride Side Pendleton. So. Um, that was kind of a sense of relief, you know, it hadn't been going great for me and seven there for a week or so, you know, he was just tired and we were kind of fighting it. So, um, I got on him and, and so that was great for, um, me to just kind of not worry about my roping per se and, and just go rope. So that was good. But other than that, I didn't really lean on him a whole lot I maybe should have you know asked Shane a a few more questions about what I should do but (laughs) that was the other thing is I was kind of just like wanting to not talk to anybody about it (laughs) you know I just want to get over with and and be kind of off by myself but you know looking back I probably should have talked to Shane and Zeke about it a
0: little more and you know just relaxed had Mm. fun. enjoyed well, it and, Well, and it's good you had the epiphany kind of at that point of the season too of like okay well there's nothing like it's out of my control like the only thing i can do is what i can do so i just mm-hmm. i'll just bust my ass and the chips will fall where they may
2: yeah exactly i mean that's all well, you can do it every time so yeah. <clears throat> at least i got that knowledge now and, and <laughs> yeah moving we're moving forward and hope
0: <laughs> uh so fast forward into into december the first the first round of the nfr What's, what's that feeling as you're riding the Thomas and the Mac for the first time, what's going through your mind? How nervous are you? What's, what's going on?
2: The grand entry was, was badass. It was so much fun riding there and finally see the bright lights and everybody, you know, screaming. And, um, you know, that was, I'll never forget that. That was so cool. And that's what everybody says is like <clears throat> the first grand entry is, is the, the funnest mm-hmm. part of the whole, whole 10 days, you know, or, you know, the whole your whole career is the grand entry the first time. So um we didn't even practice it because of <laughs> the shooting that yeah, went that's on. right. Yeah. Which was unfortunate, but they uh we knocked it out of the park with the grand entry the first time. No practice. We might awesome. do that every time now. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, so that was fun and then obviously the first round didn't go how I wanted it to, but <laughs> that was a little embarrassing with yeah. twenty seconds in your first round, but Oh well, what do you do? It kind of fit with the year, anyhow.
0: So, <laughs> well, and before we get into like the competition side of it, I want to ask how uh how did you navigate the chaos of the ten days of your first NFR? I know there's a lot of kind of requirements and a lot of obligations that you have, whether it be to sponsors, family, friends, that type of thing. How how did you find it easy to navigate that? Did you kind of find time to hide out, or what did you do as you went through the ten days?
2: Yeah, um, it was pretty new for me. Um, it was a lot of fun though, like doing signings and, and interviews and stuff um I like talking to people and and being you know friendly so um that wasn't too big of a deal for me I'm sure when you've done it for 10 or 15 years it gets <laughs> uh, the worst part about it was everybody coming up and telling you had you picked on your fantasy team and then, you know, no, was the, like
0: the pressure of that would be tough because I've like I picked my fantasy team I was like Fuck, these guys better do good
2: yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Uh, by the end of it, I was like, well, I picked me on my fantasy team. You don't think I was trying to win? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I wanted to do good luck, like, right? But, no, I mean, I had a great, um, support system. I had my, Ad- uh, cousin Adam Schuckberg. He come down, uh, he's Ryan's little brother. And, uh, so he kind of looked after my horses and helped me with that. And then, um, I had some people working on my horses that, um, did a did a great job paradigm equine they uh, worked on both seven and Catalina for me and uh, my girlfriend was out there and, and she was there for the whole 10 days helping us too whatever I needed and so that was great and my mom and dad and my sister um were there and and cheering and supporting me and um that was fun to have them and could go over there my they they got like a little condo type deal and so my dad yes. would make you breakfast a couple times so it was kind of nice to just go over there and have Mm -hmm. a good home-cooked breakfast and just be able to hang out with them and kind of not worry about the rest of it and so um yeah it was cool to do that and then obviously Zeke's whole family was there too yeah Um, so I mean it was pretty cool that um us cousins were were entered and then for me to do good finally on the 10th night and him to win his fourth world title that was a pretty fun night afterward we we had a lot of fun uh, pretty cool to kind of end the week and the year on that
0: mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. a high
2: and uh, you know that's that's the moments that everybody kind of lives for and it makes that's what i said by the end of the week you know i was like well shit i would have went to 10 rodeos in the summer and uh won eighteen thousand and called it a good week you know like, <laughs> yeah i did it in one night yeah, I did it one night it mm-hmm. turned out that it didn't be a not so bad week so um yeah no it was it was a good first experience and
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, I look forward to doing it again hopefully have a little more success in the arena
0: but well and I how did you how did you keep your kind of po- yourself positive going through that like obviously it can't be easy when you when you have obviously you have a high standard for yourself competing wise and and you and you deserve to be there you're one of the, the top 15 title numbers in the world but how did you how did you keep a positive attitude and then ultimately be able to throw down that good round in the last round?
2: Um, you know, honestly, I I didn't. Um, <laughs> I, it's tough. Like mm-hmm. it for the first, you know, half, I was pretty positive, and then towards the second half, it was like, you know what do I even do? Do I even like know how to rope? Like <laughs> like one thing after the other, you know, it wasn't one. Um, well, I mean, it, in an aspect, it was one certain thing, um, which was missing the barrier every night, but it wasn't the same thing that happened every night. Like one night, I'd, you know, drop my hooey or miss a front leg or miss flank one, or, um rope one deep and then not get a very good go or be late or break the barrier um so i mean it was just like one thing after the other and you're just like when is this ever going to end you know mm-hmm. and so i honestly you know by the end of it that's where you like you got to have a good support team yeah. that that is there for you because i was i did not have a very good attitude you know i was ready to go home by the seventh or eighth <laughs> round you know, this is bad enough but um we stuck it out anyways and mm-hmm. and you know the tenth round that you I made that run, and I was like, "Shit, that was easy, like why didn't I just do <laughs> what a nice yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> and that's the funny thing about that place, you know is I've heard other people say it too, but like if you get a good start, it's easy, like mm-hmm. there's not much to it. I mean, they're right there in front of you, and if you just go through the motions and just do what you do, um, I'm not saying you're gonna win round after round but you're gonna make good runs and you're gonna have fast times so um that's what it felt like in the 10th round to me and I didn't didn't really stay as positive as I should have you know but I tried to keep my chin up and and not let the let the negatives get me down I just I wasn't you know I wasn't just excited to go run another one when you know I probably should have um but I mean, eight nights of getting your butt kicked on national. It'll wear,
0: anybody. That'll wear on anybody. I don't care who <laughs> you are.
2: Much, it's not
0: that <laughs> fun. Yeah. But. And it's a good way to put a cap on it, like having that success. And the kind of we talked about with the Houston thing, it gives you some confidence, like heading into what's next and into the next season. It's like, okay, well, I can hang. I know I can hang with these guys and I've proven it now. So I think, yeah, next time around you'll have a lot more success.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what I kind of thought too. And if I would have had a good – national finals and one hundred and eighty thousand, you know i might be a cocky little guy right <laughs> you know? and but now i'm kind of got my butt whooped and it made me go okay well we got to fix some things and mm-hmm. i need i need to work on this and work on that and you know i i feel like i'm better off in the long run having that happen to me rather than than just stepping in there and winning so, all so, the. Yeah. I feel like uh, in the long run that this will be better for me than
0: than the other. Uh, before we move on to the NFR, I want to ask about the I can't remember what round it was, but the record baker round when when Haven was six and four, and then Shad was had a calf kick out to be six and one. Did I want to hear from your perspective what was it like watching those two heavyweights throw down? the whole the whole round was really fast, so I want I want to know what it was like for you to watch that unfold.
2: That <clears throat> that was badass. Haven was first roper, and Shad was second roper. And so I was, I think I was maybe the second, last or last roper that night. And uh, so I was up there standing right behind the box watching the start and Haven went and we were like, everybody's just, holy man, like, did that really just happen? And uh, you could hear it on TV. I, I yelled at him to throw his hat.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I was,
2: yeah, I was like, if you don't throw your hat, I'm going to Haven, but. Yeah, no, that was that was so cool. And then, you know, Shad he rode in the box, and um, that calf wasn't supposed to be very good. Mm-hmm. And uh, but that guy, he he don't it don't really matter to him. He makes him good. If he wants something, he's gonna he's gonna try to get it. And so, I mean, he wiped him a start and had it on an her. And everybody that was standing behind the box, like you can see the score clock kind of like behind them guys when they're tying. And when he threw his hands in the air, it was said something like 5'6 or 5'7. Oh and so, like, obviously there's a delay, you know, by the time they drop the flag and mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. hit the button. And then it stopped at six, one, And it, it was honestly, like, quiet for a second. Like, everybody's like, there's no way that just happened. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then it just erupted that place.
0: Yeah. Well, I remember. Yeah. The, I remember the camera panned to Haven. you couldn't see the shock <laughs> on his face too, right?
2: <laughs> oh yeah, I got a screenshot of that on my phone. It's hilarious. <laughs> that's
0: his contact picture in your phone. Yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs>
2: I should switch. I got a different one that's hilarious for him. But, Yeah, I should switch that to his contact.
0: <laughs> that would oh. be funny. Oh man, that's awesome.
2: But yeah, and then well, shit. I think there was a six eight or six nine in that mm-hmm. round too. Like, just crazy. I think Rushton was seven five or seven six and he won fifth i
0: believe yeah i think he won last Mm -hmm. yeah i think you're right i think you're right i'd have to pull it up to look at it but and i
2: remember him roping like he walked back to his horse and it was like silence it was like (laughs) holy man that's too slow dude yeah like it's crazy like (laughs) seven six is a fast run and but i mean it was just overshadowed by six one, six four, six eight. you know seven five seven one I mean, it was nuts. That was one of the best rounds of calf roping, if not the best.
0: hmm Now that will hype anybody up. I don't care who you are. It's pretty cool yeah. stuff. Badass. So heading into 2024, and you, you, you kind of met, touched on a little bit how like the adversity you went through that at the NFR is kind of like kind of prodded you a little bit to kind of get to get things happening and get to work. So so what are you doing? outside of the arena and, and obviously then the practice pens and others kind of stuff to kind of take that, that next step and, and, and be one of the top dogs for a long time. What are you doing?
2: Um, Yeah. Trying to get uh some more horsepower lined up. Mm-hmm. That's uh, crucial having a lot of horsepower and uh, it just makes your job so much easier. I mean, you look at Haven, he rides some of the best horses mm-hmm. and I mean, he, it makes his job a heck of a lot easier to, know that he can get a good start every time and they're going to pull and um he can get good goes off of them i mean that plays as much into your mental as anything i mean yeah not having to worry about well is my horse gonna screw
0: me this time or... be able to concentrate on roping and not as much yeah, on exactly. horsemanship side of things
2: yeah for sure and so i'm mm-hmm. um, gonna try to get some more horsepower, mm-hmm. and then uh we're gonna go work out with uh andrew shea he is part of rodeo performance network and so, yeah, he just lives not far from here. Uh-huh. I'll go me and Shayna. Bo, Peterson, she stays here too. And so, yeah, we'll go over there a couple times a week and, uh-huh. and work out. Um, I really need to get um, more flexible, a little more. Oh, interesting. That's good. Yeah. I uh, Since Shane makes me drive so much all the time, I'm pretty stiff. And and, not the, the hip, stiff. and the
0: hips part are probably, like, super stiff, but that's a big part of what you guys do because all the crazy yeah, things exactly. you got to do, right?
2: Exactly. I actually, I have super tight hamstrings, so um, interesting. Yeah, I maybe need to get them worked on, but yeah, I'd like to get a little more flexible and nice. uh, Not even so much just for roping, but just for staying injury prone. For as a guy gets older, they say it doesn't get any easier as you get older. So,
0: yeah, that's a fact, man. Yeah, I'm (laughs) into my I'm into my thirties now, and everything seems a little bit a little bit harder, no matter what I try to do. um yeah one, one thing I want to I want to ask too is uh so why did you end up taking up tie down roping and not side of bronc riding when you when you got the Thurston's his cousins do they give you shit sometimes here and there have you ever given give it a try I, I, I had a friend my friend Robert Schmidt asked me to ask this to you so I want to I
2: yeah um, I was just too good at bronc riding I wanted Zeke <laughs> best, so I just let him let him take up that role and um tried to do something that's a little more harder and and <laughs> physically demanding than bronc riding. That's too easy. Uh, Zeke took the easier route, and uh, he said calf roping is too complicated for him.
0: So, hey, yeah, I, I, I like, I like it. That's, a, that's the perfect answer. I think I think a lot of people yep. would appreciate that, especially on the, the timed event side of things. Yeah. Um, just, um, ask, so,
2: oh, just ask wow. Clay. He's he's taking up a calf roping. Mean, he said it's the hardest event he's done.
0: Dude, I the summer I quit riding bulls. I like was living in like, near Nanton. and I was doing that in Nanton night rodeos and mm-hmm. uh, I taught myself how to rope calves and it was the hardest thing I've ever done, dude. It was like yeah. I think the fastest I got was like 19 seconds but it was like <laughs> I don't know how the fuck you guys do it and that's the set speed and stuff. So it's pretty impressive.
2: Yeah, it's just so intricate. Like literally everything has to go right.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy. But I'm not the bronc I, I mean, I would get dumped on my head. Thirty times in a row if not more but i would I say just... i would
0: say that out of the learning curves in rodeo events tie down roping saddle running riding, got to have some of the steepest like I've, i knew guys when i amateur rodeoed a lot that they rode saddle on courses for years and and they took them so long to figure it out and then buttons so it's gotten the same tie down roping that you said it's so intricate there's lots of moving parts you're on a horse you're jumping mm-hmm. off the horse you've got two different ropes going on or three different ropes at a time with the jerk down line but
2: yeah it's crazy yeah but and then you know them guys that that get good at bronc riding, they make it look so easy and oh, effortless. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like it's insane. It's
2: so it's so cool to watch. Honestly, bronc is my favorite event to watch. Like, I I
0: agree hundred percent, man. Yeah.
2: If I'm at a rodeo somewhere, I'm. It's usually right before the calf open, and I'll I'll have my horse like walk up and, and kind of ready so that I can just sit there and watch the bronc <laughs> ride, because I I just love watching it mm-hmm. and
0: then,
2: you know especially you know having Zeke. Be, um, in the bronc riding too. I mean, it's yeah. cool to watch, and, and he that's,
0: makes that's, it. That's the guy who makes it look really easy. Oh, easy. He's, he's the goat. That guy. But yeah, what was it? no was it like watching him him ride explosive skies in round five? I had that moment for you. Yeah, that you could hear it through the TV. Like I said this before, but like you could hear how loud that building was through the TV. It was pretty oh, it remarkable.
2: Was, yeah, no, it was a lot of fun.
0: All right on, man. Well, before we wrap this up, I just want to ask, what are, what are, what are some of your goals for 2024 and what can we expect out of Bo Cooper this this new season?
2: You know, I'm going to try to work on on being more present in the moment and where I'm at. Uh, I'm going to try to work on being a more offensive roper and, and kind of going at him a little more. Other than that, I'm going to, yeah, those are kind of my two main goals and just try to try to work on um how the hell did I word this i guess trying to just do do the best with what you got sometimes you're going to win first sometimes you're going to win fourth i'm just trying to be more consistent you know make make every run the best that it that it can be whether i'm going to place or not um and i think that that that's going to carry on and and work out in my favor you know by the end of the year i think it'll be have a lot of success come from that i'm not so much worried about you know winning championships or or anything like that you know i don't have any goals set like that Mm -hmm. i'm just kind of more focused on the steps and what it takes to to do good
0: well and that's the that's the steps that lead you to being a champion though i think you you, those are the foundation and the building blocks and if you if you really hone those in and find a way to to kind of achieve those goals the championships are just going to come with
2: yeah that and that's something that i've kind of learned too you can't my mom always says you can't chase the carrot. So yeah, I've kind of, I've kind of learned to, to do away with, you know, the hard and fast, you know, I'm going to win Calgary. I'm going to win Canadian title, you know, win the average title, whatever it may be, you know, and I've kind of tried to more focus on the, the steps of what it takes to be successful. And, and, you know, I think that's going to lead me farther than, than, being so focused on the end goal that that you miss everything in
0: between that well man i, I have no doubts that you're going to find that that success you're looking for and that you're chasing and and i really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today i had a blast it was super fun and and we we hope you have a great season and i'll see you down the trail this season i'm sure
2: yeah thanks thanks YC. appreciate it we'll see you somewhere
0: yeah for sure buddy all right well this has been episode number six of the short round we will be right back after this Welcome back to the short round. thanks again to Bo cooper for joining us. We wish him all the best in 2024 and he is sure gonna kick some ass. I can imagine. all right Tanner we we had a we talked about it in the last show. um Austin Broderson a young bareback rider got himself in a bit of a wreck down in Denver um it's kind of a scary situation, but thankfully he's on the men and he made his way back home uh last week. He have been an update a bit of an update for us.
1: Yeah, I taught, I was texting uh Austin this morning. He got home back to Canada on Sunday. He's got to heal up a little bit more before he can start his physio on his arm. There's a bunch of nerve damage in his left arm. Um he currently doesn't have feeling in it, but they're hopeful with a bunch of physio and stuff it will come back. And you know what, after watching the wreck, that he's lucky. Yeah. That was one of the worst ones I've ever seen. They set up a GoFundMe with a goal of 30,000 and it they knocked that out of the park. It's just about at a hundred thousand right now. So he's a good kid comes from a good family, an old mm-hmm. rodeo family. And I know his grandpa and his dad and everyone really well. And I kind of grew up in the same era as all them guys. And you know what, Austin is a tough kid and he's going to keep, keep keeping on. And he's uh, the work ethics there. And if anyone's going to put the work in to get better, it'll be Austin. So I look forward to seeing him get better and can't wait to see him down the road again.
0: It's kind of like going back to what we are talking about on the top talking about on the top part of show with these all these young guys coming up austin's one of them guys he was at the cfr last year had a really strong performance and and you can see he has a ton of talent so it'll be we're excited to get him back on the road and wish him all the best in his recovery and, and like you mentioned there's a gofundme set up for him um i'll be sure to put the link i think it's still going on so i'll put the link into the podcast description for y'all to go check it out and, and we'll hopefully help austin on his way to recovery um so it's the, during the winter run here, uh, down in the PRCA, we have some Canadians kicking some butt. Um, a couple of guys I wanted to highlight: um, Colby Wan, Lucas Moxa. Colby didn't have the best twenty twenty three season. He made the CFR, kind of didn't go as well for him as he thought. He missed out a couple horses. Um, did the replay challenge and kind of got didn't, didn't go his way, but that's cool to see that we have that. But he's currently fifth in the world standings, and and kind of it's shaping up to be a a big year for the rogue Bandit twenty twenty four.
1: Yeah, you know what? Kobe's probably one of our most talented guys up here. And yeah. see his year last year was kind of disappointing for him, not making the NFR. And, I mean, by most standards, he had a great year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I'm sure by Kobe's standards, it wasn't as good as he would have liked. But the kid is unreal good. And at that note, he's got a little brother knocking on the door that <laughs> yeah, he had to make his mind up a couple of years ago, whether he was going to buy his pro card and the team were open and go enter the Open, or if he's going to stay on his permit and keep entering the Novice probably wasn't ready to enter the open, but he jumped head in or head first and started entering the open. And last year, mid-season, it started cracking for him. And I mean, Kyle, he's just started kicking everyone's butt. And so I think the chucks are some, both a pair of them to <laughs> watch out for. I, I suspect Kyle to be at the CFR this year with his brother, Kobe. And if he goes south, there's no telling what, like as strong as he's come on the last year, he could be. Mm-hmm. At the too as well. And like I said, Kobe is, second to nine. He's one of the best Broncos you've ever seen his ride on Tokyo bubbles a couple years ago at San Antonio is one of the best Broncos I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. He's a, uh, he's one to watch for sure. It
0: seems, seems like he's kind of shot out of the gate with like a, with a vengeance. So he's here to prove that he's, he's still got what it takes to be one of the top guys in the world. And, and I'm excited to watch him throughout the, the rest of the season. Uh, another guy who's had a good start to the year, he's kind of been knocking on the door. I talked a bit about it with Zeke who's, is Lucas Moxa. He's, he's got all the tools there to be, be one of the best. And it just obviously in due troubles hit and, and, and kind of not everything goes everybody's way all the time, but it seems like this could be the year that we see Lucas down in Vegas. And then once again, back at the CFR.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, last winter, Lucas's winter run was kind of cut short. He got, in kind of a wreck getting off a horse and got kicked and he was out for a while broke his jaw and that put a damper on his winter run and he was having a good winter up until then at san angelo he got kicked and then i mean that guy is super super talented he Mm. hardly ever hits the ground and riding percentage wise he's right up there with the zeke thurstons the all them top guys um he just needs to to get recognized a little more like he doesn't yeah yeah Points is some of the
0: guys would get. He's kind of quiet. He's quiet. Yeah, he his business. yeah.
1: I think once Lucas Mox's name gets out there a little more, I think Lucas Mox is going to be hard to beat.
0: Yeah, it's going to be an exciting time, and, and and across the board, we got. I think like I mentioned on the top of the show, it's an exciting time for Canadian rodeo. We got, I think, some of the best group of competitors across the board. Like you mentioned, steer wrestling, tie down roping, team roping, bareback riding, saddleback riding, bull riding. I think it's going to be an exciting year on both sides of the border for our Canadian athletes. Mm-hmm.
1: And like, on your. Pod with Zeke like ten eleven bronc riders is not unrealistic.
0: Oh no, it's so (laughs) legit, man.
1: Like we could almost tie the record for Canadian athletes just in the bronc riding. Just
0: in the bronc riding, yeah, it's crazy. Like you got like Dawson Doms after a great year. Obviously, like Zeke, Layton, Ben, Logan, the Hay Boys, like those. That's you can almost like between Zeke, Logan, Dawson, Ben, and Colby. That's like almost five locks. Right yep. there. And then you add in those other guys like Lucas and Dawson and and even Kyle Wanchuk and and Q Taylor. Like there's a lot of it's yeah. a, our, like our saddlebone riding roster in Canada is stacked right up. Another guy like Kays Thompson. he's yeah got Kays too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Come again. <laughs> like it's, it's crazy. It's Dawson Dom. I think Dom is one of the most underrated guys in Canada. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. He's that got guy going rides on. Real good. Um, on another note, it was good to see. I watched Fort Worth, some of Fort Worth that's been going on. And our Canadian contingency in the breakaway roping. Um, yeah, exactly. Our Canadian champion is down there right now. Um, I don't think it's unrealistic to say we could have three or four breakaway ropers at the NFR next year as well with Kendall and Shelby and Shayla. And mm-hmm. We've got a lot of good ropers. Um, Macy, Claire, and all them are down there. And I think it could be pretty salty in the breakaway rope as well.
0: That's awesome stuff. Um, One thing I wanted to ask you, I forgot to mention at the top of the show, is so last year's NFR, Jared and Jordan Hansen had a successful – 10 days with Jared finishing, I think fourth or fifth in the average. Jordan got a couple of bulls road, made some big money. You're pretty close to those boys have been for a long time. What was it like for you to watch Jared and Jordan have so much success in Vegas?
1: Well, Jared, it was awesome to see because last year's NFR was so poor mm-hmm.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: and Jared, you expect him to win first through third in the average, everywhere he goes. Like yep. he hardly yep. ever hits the ground. And last year to the one out of nine road, it was pretty disheartening for him. And the one he rode, he didn't place so on. So I mean, I, I knew he was going to go hard again last year and make mm-hmm. it so it wasn't a fluke. And to see him do good at it and win a bunch of money was awesome. And Jordan Hansen, that guy's a freak. He, uh,
0: <laughs> it, it's true. I, yeah.
1: We talked about Tyler Craft in the opening about ice water in his veins. There is nothing that bothers Jordan Hansen. Mm-hmm. Like He could come out – he could – go in Fort Worth, Houston, San Antonio right now, wouldn't surprise me at all. He could be season leader this year. He gets his mixture right? And, I mean, there's no stopping that guy. He's Mm -hmm. so, so talented. He's one of the best we've ever seen in Canada. Um, And he's, uh, he just, nothing bothers him. Like, he can be wiped out, hurt, and he looks the exact same. Like, he hardly ever limps. He hardly ever holds his arm or shoulder. (laughs) And you know he's sore, but he just won't. Again, if our, his shoulder was killing him. But Mm -hmm. he won't ever he didn't talk about it, so no one knew about it. And he still went out and did his thing and got a few bulls rode and made some money. Um, that's a guy that I would say has a legit shot to ride ten at the NFR if he gets back there. And I expect him to be back there this year. I think he's going to go for it once more. I mean, them guys are starting to get up in the. Uh, they're numbers. not young;
0: they're the veterans now. Them boys. Yeah, they're the veterans. Know? And I mean, yeah. when
1: I was a veteran, they're kind of the young guys. And I was fortunate enough to go with Jordy and Jared my last year. I went for one more northwest run with them guys and just to travel with them too is is was second to none you know they, they pushed a guy and they held the guy accountable and that was probably the best fall i'd ever had just from going with them too it was it was really good to see them do good at the nfr And i look forward to big things from both of them and,
0: mm-hmm. and- yeah i kind of i kind of predicted jared to have a better nfr with like obviously with how close him and jordan are i like, can having that sense of like comfort during, like for lack of a better term like there with him in Vegas, I think that was really going to help push him to that next level. And then when he rode Chiseled for ninety-two points uh, near the end of the season, I think that was kind of the thing, like, "Hey, like this guy's going to make some noise." And then, like you say, he's one of the most consistent guys we got going. And then obviously Jordan, he when he's on fire, like he makes ranked bulls look so easy, like nobody else. So it was it was yeah, definitely fun was, to watch those guys.
1: His legs are the same size as me, and like he <laughs> put a mash on one, and
0: he, yeah,
1: once he's riding good, he there's no uh-huh. getting
0: away. I love, uh, I love watching Jordan ride right away from his Andy. He does it better than than most guys. So yeah, I can ride on
1: the yellow bull, Dan when he is eighty-eight. Oh man, awesome.
0: Um, all right. So the 50th CFR is coming up in Edmonton. It's it's a really exciting time. Um, through your lens, how how awesome is it is it to be back in Edmonton? I know it's, it means a lot to you, and you spend, you've been with Edmonton, you were with Red Deer, now it's kind of back. So what what's what's it like through your lens going back to Edmonton?
1: Um, you know what? I think it'll be a great. The venues second to none, Rogers Place. I mean, we went and did a walkthrough of it, and I kind of had a look underneath and seen how steel and setup was going to look. And I think we can do some pretty cool stuff with that end of it. First and foremost, Red Deer, what a great host for the last five CFRs. Um, yeah, hats they up to were them. standing. The crew there was great. I developed a bunch of really close relationships in Red Deer with the people in that crew, Chloe and all the crew at Wesner Park. Um, but I mean, Edmonton is. Where it's been forever and um Red Deer stepped up to the plate when there wasn't a home for it. And the way the everything went, it ended up going back to Edmonton. But I think it's a huge opportunity for rodeo in Canada. Um mm. we had our first CFR committee meeting yesterday, and there's some big things coming down the pipe. I think it's gonna be a a great week of rodeo up there. Um one less perf, which is in some minds disappointing, but at the same time, that's one more perf of money that we can add back to the pot. So I I expect it to be one of the better CFRs we've ever seen. I think it should pay out close to the same as the six rounds. I just I think that it wouldn't surprise me if we sell that building on Saturday night. I, I really wouldn't surprise me. It's a lot of people, and I was the last guy to ever ride at the CFR in Edmonton in seventeen. That was my last ball I ever got on. When I looked up and seen all them people, you know, it was pretty surreal to me that we were leaving Edmonton, but at the same time to be back, it's a pretty cool feeling to be back in Edmonton and get to be a part of it
0: it's kind of shaping up to be kind of a a storybook season. You could say with it being the 50th CFR back in Edmonton, the city's super excited about it. I know a lot of people in the rodeo community are. So I think like you say, it wouldn't be surprising if it's like one of the biggest CFRs yet. And to be in that iconic building, I think it's really just going to take it to that next level.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, like everything in that building is state of the art and Mm -hmm. um, the room we have to, to explore other options underneath is, is huge. And, I think it's going to be, like I said, there's going to be some challenges with it. Like there is with everything, but at the same time I've watched bulls go down the ramp at Madison square garden. So anything's possible. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty cool to be in one of them iconic buildings in yeah. North America. It's one of the best hockey barns they have in North America. And it's pretty cool to have our season finale at that building.
0: So how much will the, your experience in Red Deer over the past few years help in, in kind of setting up the show? In Edmonton, I know, like, I worked with Red Deer too for the last few years, and now working with the Pro Rodeo, I, you kind of see, I kind of been able to see the well-oiled machine that Red Deer's turned into, and I feel like those performances were some of the best, kind of ever at the CFR. How are you guys going to take what you guys built there and, and apply it in Edmonton?
1: I think we just got to keep looking up, you know. And mm-hmm. Just because the last, I would say the last three years at Red Deer were some of the best CFR perks I've mm-hmm. been at, but there's always room for growth and that's the biggest thing in rodeo is lots of people get stuck in just the steady eddy line. And if I think if we want to make this thing work and see these kids like Bo Cooper and Bo Gardner and all these young guys coming up, go out and make half a million dollars in Canada, we got to keep pushing the limits. And if we can keep doing that, I think there's, there's no, uh, no boundaries. I think we just got to keep pushing forward and trying to get bigger and better every year.
0: Um, so what, what has you most excited about coming back to Edmonton? I know there's probably a lot of things, but what's maybe one or two things that, that you're most excited about to be back in Edmonton in, in October?
1: I would say the the biggest thing I'm excited for is just the fan base and the city's excitement to have the rodeo back. Mm-hmm. Um, Edmonton is super, super excited to have another rodeo week. It's it's going to be a great rodeo. It's going to be action-packed. There's a lot of city support um, a lot of provincial support. I mean, lots of that stuff. And just the, the crowd at Edmonton. I mean, you know, it's CFR, there's lots of rodeo people that come to CFR every year, no matter where it's at, the all-in packs, like we've been getting calls already about what's happened with the all in packs, but we're getting all that handled right now. And there's a lot of old rodeo fans that'll come there and just to see there's people mad that when it went left Edmonton to go to Red Deer, and now there's people mad that's leaving Red Deer going back to Edmonton. So <laughs> yeah. you're never gonna make everyone happy, but At the end of the day, we got to look at what's best for our Mm -hmm. our personnel, our contestants, and our membership as a whole.
0: When I think that it's it's a huge opportunity to kind of expose a whole new generation of fans to the rodeo. It's like with it being away from Edmonton for a while and coming back to like an urban cent, like a real like a truly urban center, like a big city like Edmonton. I think that's one thing I'm really excited for is to kind of showcase the best of what we got in rodeo in Canada too obviously like the, the core audience people have been around it for so long, but obviously I think we can bring in a whole new layer of people, but just, just with the interest in Western in general, you see like the Yellowstones and everybody's ca- being Cowboy is cool kind of across the yeah. board again. So I think it'd be really cool to to showcase um, what Pro Rodeo has to offer to, to these, this new group of folks in, in Edmonton.
1: Yeah, for sure. And when we did the press release, the whole downtown core was at the press release. Yeah. Everyone had their Cowboy hats on and their boots on. And I mean, they're excited about it and it's uh it'll be cool to bring the Western way of life downtown Edmonton Mm -hmm. and show kind of what we do. There's going to be some challenges with stock and stuff moving back and forth, but it comes with the territory. There's every building like the Texas swing rodeos, all of them have the same challenges and we just got to figure them out. And I'm sure there'll be hiccups in the first year or two, but that's something that uh, you just got to transform and move on with. And if you can't adapt to it, then probably not the job for you, but you got to, just kind of adapt and move on if it doesn't if it doesn't work try something else and just keep trying until it works and it's gonna it's gonna be good there's no doubt in my mind i i've been working a lot with Explore edmonton and trying to get the steel part of it and the setup part of it down pat and i think it's uh as far as the production stuff like that building has. there's like i said there's no limits I've, It's state of
0: the art it's the best yeah restaurant. it's crazy yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Stuff there, so. Okay, Tanner. Before we wrap things up this week, we're probably not going to get together before the Super Bowl happens. So I just want—I obviously you're wearing a San Fran hat for those who aren't watching and are listening. But what's your prediction for the Super Bowl in a couple weeks? San Fran,
1: twenty-four-seven.
0: Really? man. I—I I don't think like I want to say San Fran, but I just think the fact if Taylor Swift wins the Super Bowl is going to be so huge for the NFL. So I think the script for the script, I'm going with KC. Uh, much to my daughter's
1: dismay, I'm not a Swifty. <laughs>
0: it's, it's been pretty crazy the impact she's had on it, but yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Brock Birdie and Christian McCaffrey and I think it'll be fun, but I don't know. You Mahomes know what? I
1: wasn't really a San Francisco fan and then I bought the, the trip. Oh, right, at, you
0: uh, went down to the Boston. game. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. yeah. Okay. To the
1: game was in the box and we got to go right down on the field and watch them so guys cool, work it and stuff. It was, it was pretty neat and that, but again, another state-of-the-art building, Levi Stadium. San yeah. Fan is unbelievable and Very to go cool. down there and rub elbows with the g like we sat with the not the levi stadium gm but levi strauss gm was in the same oh wow I, cool. there and guest with him during the game and wow Me and my wife and uh luke and leon pause went went so good and then we flew amy in and surprised
0: luke and leon with amy right. i've seeing seen that that's so cool man
1: yeah it was a it was pretty surreal so i got my joe montana jersey and my hat and i'm for percent that now
0: Hell yeah! Well, that well, that was your first time at an NFL game. Yep, yeah, it was. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Hey? it's a, it's an yeah, experience. It's yeah, I've been to a couple in Vegas, and it's like I've been to a ton of NHL games and and some other sporting events. But like the NFL, like they have like game day presentation and like keeping people engaged down like down pat. It's pretty cool.
1: It's crazy too, because you watch on TV. Like I was watching the game on Sunday, and when they're not, uh, when they are, uh, when San Fran's got the ball, the crowd's going nonstop. Yeah. When the yeah. team has the ball, it is dead quiet, so there's definitely <laughs> fake crowd noise on the TV. <laughs> you could hear a pin drop in there when the other team has possession, but yeah, it's crazy. It's uh, cool. it's unbelievable, and the just the production of an NFL game is mm-hmm. second to none. I'd love to get down and the dirt and see you how know, some of the moving parts on that kind of stuff for like a Golden Knights game. Some of them, oh,
0: yeah, very cool. Games
1: like that, what
0: even and cool. even like some of these, uh, some of the NHL teams have like taken production to like a whole nother level. And I think, well, that's a conversation we can have on another show, but I think it's just so cool how we can take that kind of stuff and apply it to maybe what we're doing with Rodeo for sure. I think it's that like <laughs> I'm always kind of watching and trying to learn. And yeah,
1: it'll be pretty cool. There's some cool stuff coming down the pipe, I think.
0: Right on, man. Well, thanks for joining me, Tanner. And we'll definitely be, be catch up again here soon. Um, you can find us on social media, at proteocanada.com and proteocanada official on Instagram and proteocanada on Facebook. So we're all over the place. Um, thanks again, to listening to the short run podcast and we'll catch you on the next show.